Hello and welcome to roundtable number five of Duelist Unity. I will be playing the part of Andrew today. I will be playing the part of Ray. And of course, for roundtable number five, we are joined by two special guests, Maddie and Josh. Uh, Maddie and Josh are both part of the Dualistic Unity community. They've been listening to the podcast. I've spoken to them online numerous times. Maddie is, of course, a regular guest on our group chats on the Patreon channel and on Discord. Uh, she is actually one of the moderators on our Discord and has been a fundamental part of our community since the very beginning. So uh, before I get more into Maddie and let her introduce herself. I'm going to introduce Josh. Uh, Josh is also on social media. He's gonna tell you what his uh, TikTok username is and his Instagram as well. And we'll link it in the details below this video. Obviously, uh, Josh, I've spoken to you a number of times since I joined TikTok back and forth uh, as I made some, some content and you kind of left your opinions and left your, your thoughts. And I, I find that uh, a lot of your content is authentically you. You're more or less just going through the day-to-day -day life, communicating how it feels, communicating the things that kind of suck and communicating the things that have helped you. I appreciate the authenticity with which you bring it across because it gives me the feeling that you actually care. You're not trying to benefit in terms of monetization. You're not trying to get a huge following. You just care as a human being, or at least that's the feeling that I've gotten. So without any further introduction, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what brought you to the podcast, and of course, what has led you to your own awakening that life doesn't necessarily have to be what we've been taught that it has to be? Uh, well, again, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I actually got on TikTok about a year ago and was going through some pretty, pretty traumatic events, um, ranging from addiction to housing and security, things along those lines. And um, it was in kind of like that, um, that deep, dark point that like I got on TikTok for the first time and uh, it kind of immediately threw me into depression talk, and uh, from there spread out to like ADHD, ASD, um, you know, those types of sides of the community. And um, it was really at that point when I started learning more about myself. Uh, Ray, I found you, uh, found a few other life coaches as well, and um, I started pretty much voraciously devouring as much content as I could get my hands on, and. Um, but uh, what you said earlier about just being authentically me is, yeah, it was me just kind of like chronicling going through all that, these revelations, just waking up and primarily like being able to look back on your life with these new lenses and stuff. And so trying to adapt to all that um, is kind of what you'll see on my channel. And then, you know, there's just the usual random stuff because you can't be serious all the time. Absolutely, which is, I think, uh, why your TikTok name is It's Your Boy Little Anxiety, correct? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, one of those filters, and it was like, here's your rap name. I was like, you know, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's it. You have to keep it light, right? You have to learn to laugh at the predicament that you're in. Otherwise, it becomes oppressive on its own. So that's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to having you part of this conversation. And I know there's a lot of ground to cover in terms of mental health and going through all that. And then, of course, we want to talk to Maddie some more. Maddie, we talk to you all the time. And over the course of getting to know you since you joined us on the podcast, you have become more and more outspoken. I have really enjoyed watching your journey into 
just expressing yourself more and more week by week, more and more in the community on Discord, and in general, I'm sure in your day to day life. And so I'm very excited to have you join us for a roundtable. Finally, um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? And of course, what led to your own journey of awakening and where you are now and what you might want to cover in today's episode. Thanks, Ray. Um, it's an honor to be here. So I don't usually like talking about myself because I see it as, you know, just being a little bit egotistical and I see that there's nothing to gain from, you know, just talking about myself other than maybe like some kind of emotional um, relief from, you know, just talking about my past. Um, but uh, yeah, my um, my character is Madison, or my given name is Madison. I chose Maddie. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just a 27-year-old Australian, um, just kind of being. I don't really have a plan in life. I'm just kind of happy going with the flow. I don't do anything special. I just work at Woolworths, and I'm completely fine doing that. I'm kind of just working myself out at the moment in between, like, what I want to do for a career. I'm looking into going into the fitness industry. I have a personal training certificate, but I'm just kind of... Well, I got my certificate right as COVID hit, so I was classed a non-essential worker uh, through that time. So I'm just kind of, like, floating around, just not really going in any particular direction, just more so working on myself and on my mental well-being. That was um, just, it's been a major part of my life. Throughout my life, I feel like I didn't belong or was just always weird or was just kind of like a black sheep or an outsider. So I feel like I've been always trying to fit in, but it's funny. I realized that I was born to stand out I came across that in a trip but uh yeah I love to um trip and take psychedelics it's one of my favorite things to do I'm really passionate about just you know being aware and I hope that whenever I come across people the biggest thing I want to know is like how aware are you like are you aware of all of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you know we're all just kind of like being distracted by surface level stuff, materialistic things or uh, your reputation. Um, like how some people put so much time and effort and all of their energy into building this reputation. And then like there's so much of themselves that goes on behind the door that like even their closest friends don't know about. So I just want to be my true self I don't want to hide anything I don't want to um when I was really going through anxiety I was a little bit manipulative the questions that I would ask or just I was always so self-conscious about what I wanted for people to perceive me as or I was always thinking about you know how they saw me and my life has just kind of been up and down going through like I went through depression and then kind of got over that and then went through anxiety. Didn't really realize that like the whole time I was anxious. I was just so unaware and didn't really realize like the feelings that it was. Um, I know that in um, a, uh, a Patreon call, I was expressing how like I went through depression and then like, you know, got anxiety. Didn't realize that, you know, never had anxiety before, but the truth is the whole time I had anxiety, I just wasn't aware that like I was, these thoughts is like what 
anxiety was. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I woke up through um, psychedelics, but I kind of got a little bit lost. Like, you know, my identity was kind of keeping me from, you know, doing the things that I wanted to do, like as well as the things that I was attached to and wanting to hold on to that was preventing me from, you know, just like being the best version of me that I could possibly be. And um, yeah, I pretty much sort of came to this understanding again or, you know, the, the message of everything through discovering this podcast and it just kind of helped me get back on track. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to be here and to finally be in a round table. Hell yeah. And we're excited to have you, excited to have both of you. Um, one of the, one of the first things you mentioned was that just kind of feel like you're just kind of floating around life, but you didn't say it in a negative way whatsoever. And and I find it fascinating, like how much in our society, and I wanted to get both of your perspectives on this, how much of it is a matter of perspective. And I've found in my own life, so many of the things that I used to struggle with, with, you know, getting extremely, extremely nervous in certain situations and feeling like I, you know, shouldn't be nervous. And, and when it would happen, I would think like, oh, I, I need to get rid of this. Like, oh, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but like, I should know what I'm doing. And the reality is that no one really knows. And those feelings that, that bubble up, they were never the issue. It was more so my resistance to those feelings. And, and so like the issue isn't so much the situation as our resistance to the situation or our thoughts about the situation. So in your lives and whoever like to go first, go for it. But have you seen that a lot of your shifts aren't so much the situation, but like your thoughts about them in different ways? Or have you seen that maybe initially it wasn't the situation shifted, but then your perspective on it shifted and then it led to shifts in your situation? Or I'd love to hear more on, on your experiences with that and, and like the idea of perspective just in general. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, dealing with mental illnesses like ADHD and stuff, especially, um, you know, there's been, uh, it said that like one of the highest taxes for ADHD is time, like how much time you lose to all of these repetitive tasks and this forgetfulness and everything. And um, this just has been something I've learned recently is, you know, a different way of like looking at it because there was definitely a long time in my life where, you know, I got like, upset every time it happened you know there's a lot of negative self-talk that comes to that and um you know once i learned more about it and like what was going on stuff, it, for me it got to the point where i could like you know i had that perspective had that knowledge and i could like laugh about it um i posted a video recently where i just described it like now i just see this like little gremlin trying to prank me and he's a clever little fucker you know he'll get you something and um there's been, you know, a few other instances, um, like I said, this past year, we're just like learning so much about myself and, you know, um, what like the unity is and, you know, the study through different branches um, where it's just really shifted everything. And I've catched myself now more often, really just like, you know, you just like, oh, crap, that's not, uh, that's not what I thought it was, you know, like, oh, this is not as big of a deal as I'm making it out to. And it's interesting to like, you know, like check yourself and go back 
and so you're like, oh, I would have had this reaction. I would have had that reaction before. You know, 10 years ago, I would have flew off the handles. And so, you know, that's something I've been going through a lot this past year, and it's revelatory and pretty hilarious sometimes. So I've been pretty happy for it. Yeah, I find that it's really just me holding on to a certain perspective that I want to view through, um, that, you know, I'm choosing to view through at the time because I'm trying to perceive, like, the outcome or it's like if I let myself get in the way, it can sort of want to, like, yeah, try to predict, like, what's going on. Like, sometimes before people will say something, like, myself is in my head at the same time trying to talk along with them and, like, predict what they're saying. But um, it's funny that you mentioned that, Andrew, because, like, I've mentioned that I'm just, you know, just kind of happy, like, you know, just working at like a supermarket and you know the price of everything is going up and everyone's around like talking around me you know you gotta think of the long run and like what are you gonna do like you know you gotta get more money and um it's funny because like it just seems like it's always been about like you know what are you gonna do when you retire and never about like what are you gonna do while you're living like when you're in school, everyone asks you, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's like, oh, I don't know. I like, haven't really thought of that about, but just, yeah, I'm just kind of in school. You're in high school. Like, what do you want to do when, you know, you leave high school? I don't really know. What do you want to do? Like, you know, you left high school. What do you want to do now? Like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And I honestly did not know because it just felt like everything throughout my life was kind of planned for me. Or like, I had a little bit of a say, but like a lot of my steps were just kind of already planned for me. So I felt like I didn't really get to build a sense of like which direction do I want to go in or I don't know. I was just, I, I just feel sort of like I'm still coming out of my programming where I just felt like I was a robot, you know. I was just so obedient to authority, pretty much did whatever I was told. Still sort of am like that. Now, when someone asks me like to do something, I'll kind of stop and question it and be like, "Is that my job, or is that your job? Am I, are you just asking me to do something that you're supposed to do because you can't bother doing it?" Or like, I'm just kind of questioning sort of people's intent and just like continuously just questioning. Not so much how questions, but why questions, why this, why that. Like, yeah, um, with like the how questions, there's there is no how. Just do it and you'll find out. So, yeah, um, it's been a real journey the past, like, month and a half. Like, my perspective is just sort of constantly changing. But, like, it depends on – I try to be – I go about my day with, like, a clear kind of view. And then across my day, like – I'll realize the attachments that I have to some things in certain situations where something will come up and like I might be on the shop floor and then a customer might be in my way. They might just be standing there and just looking at, you know, whatever product and I'm like standing behind them waiting for them to move in my view or in my preferences. Um, you know, I like held on to the notion that if, you know, someone's there, you can see them coming, move out of their way. But, like, 
you know, it's not that hard for me to just say, excuse me, can you please move out of the way? Like, they might be fully unaware, like their peripheral vision might be fully cut off because they're so focused on this product that they're viewing. And all I have to do is just, you know, just say one thing and then I don't have to get so frustrated or annoyed at, like, you know, someone doing something that they can't even hear me think. But, um, yeah, it's just funny the way that... Um, I don't know, we're all programmed and then it's just funny seeing just different people, the way that we all communicate in society. And I love when you're in an interaction with some people and there's that one person that just doesn't really get it or they're just not on the same plane as everyone else. And you're just kind of looking at them like, what world are you in? Like, do you not see the same thing that we're seeing? But it's just really interesting to see like, just to kind of, when you come across an aware person, you just kind of want to be with them a little bit more because you're like, oh, you kind of get it. Like, you're a little bit there. I, like, want to keep talking to you to see, like, how much, you know, you're kind of aware of or, like, you know, yeah, it's just really interesting. Absolutely. One thing I, I find interesting is that often the people who who are aware are the people who have been floating around. I mean... That's been my life. I'll, I'll admit I, I'm a floater, however weird that might sound for sure. I've just floated through life from one thing to another of necessity. It didn't feel like I was floating. It felt like I was crawling through crap most of the time. But what I mean is that I never really had any specific direction that I knew was going to be consistent. When I was younger, there was a bunch of different coats I tried to wear. I was a banking manager. I, I ran a, a painting crew. I did all of that. And then when I started getting older and, and I realized that none of that made me valuable, I took off to the forest. And then after coming out of the forest, after eight months, I went, oh, right, I, I should probably earn some money because, you know, rent and, and that whole game. And so I ended up getting a job washing dishes at this tiny diner in this small town that I was living in. And I was... I think six or seven years older than the husband of the owner who was the cook. And so every day I'd go into work and he would laugh at me while I'm washing dishes and peeling potatoes because, you know, he's partial owner of this, of this business and he's got all this life planned out and all that. And he's like, oh, it's got to be so sad to be near 30 and not know what to do. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're, you're still looking at the game, like how do I fit in and how do I make sure I know exactly what's going to happen in the future, which is never going to happen, rather than how much fog am I clearing in my existence? How clear am I? And how clear can the people who come in contact with me become because of that? Because that's the real game. It's not really about what job are you going to get or what are you going to do till you die? It's about what good are you? Exactly how much are you helping the problem here? Right. And so what was funny to me is as he was judging me, I was just watching why he was judging me, where it was coming from, how his situation came to be, what it was. And the day that I walked out of that job happily, you know, having worked there for a few months and paid my rent and done all of that, I wished him well. Found it really funny about six months later when he ended up getting a divorce and losing the diner and everything just went to shit underneath him, which was exactly the point. Meanwhile, I still had all the clarity that I had gained through washing those dishes patiently not complaining about the job and learning more about myself. So it really is just about the fact that the majority is playing a game that doesn't make sense, but it makes them very uncomfortable when you tell them it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how much more clearly you can see things when you're there for them. Like everyone, like Maddie, you were saying, everyone's so caught up and like, what are you doing? 
when you graduate, what are you doing when you retire? And the thing is that what you will be doing is informed based on what you're doing now. It's not this cerebral idea of like, oh, I have to figure that out because then you're not doing the thing that you're doing. And, and like the idea of manifestation is like, it's happening in the moment. There's nothing about the future that is intertwined with manifestation whatsoever. It's like, it's, it's happening now you're, you're manifesting your existence in every single moment. So when you get caught up in, in trying so hard to plan and control what's happening, like you're, you're missing the ability to derive clarity for what might be best for you in the moment. So it, it's, it's very interesting to see. And, and Josh, I, I found it interesting when you were talking about ADHD and, and how your perspective sort of shifted, shifted on it. And I feel like a lot of people, when they first experience something like that or something that society labels as like a disorder, they feel like there's something wrong with them. And that's where the resistance is built from. And then eventually, you know, through work and, and potentially like a lot of time and effort and, and talking to I don't know, better people. I put that in quotes, but you find that there was never anything wrong with you whatsoever. And the idea that there is something wrong with you, whether it's something that society labels it as a disorder or literally anything, just a, a time in your life, a traumatic experience where you didn't feel whole and complete, you'll think that something's wrong with you. And that's where all the suffering is derived from. But it's fascinating that all you have to do is, is a slight shift in perspective and realize that there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with anything that I've experienced or anything that society wants to label me as like, there's never been anything wrong with it. And as you let that go and, and the idea that there's anything wrong with you, you allow yourself to, to be yourself. And that's the easiest thing you can ever possibly be. There is no more resistance. It's, it's full acceptance of yourself. And then you keep moving forward in, in more clarity and you hit bumps along the way. But it's, it's that idea of, of thinking that there's something wrong with you at all that, that builds up that resistance and leads to that suffering, which, you know, society has done a pretty damn good job of, of labeling people as having something wrong with them. It's like everyone, according to society, everyone has something wrong with them. And that's what gets us to the shit storm that we're in right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to pass this back to Josh here in a second, just because I want to get his take on uh, ADHD as as an experience, uh, because myself, I was never diagnosed with ADHD. I, I was moved around so much as a kid, and literally, I never spent more than a year in one place until I was about 15 years old. So I was always everywhere, and I was always uh, an anomaly. Nobody knew me, nobody knew my life, and so counselors couldn't address me. I didn't have any testing, nothing like that. I just struggled all the time. But looking at how I deal with the world and, and the incredible torrent of crap that goes through my, my consciousness at all periods of time, I, I would love to actually get te tested for ADHD because I'm very, very curious to see how society would, would label me or society would assume that I am based on, on the behaviors that they watch. Because I think ADHD unfortunately gets classified a little too easily. Sometimes it's just an overactive mind. Sometimes it's having nothing interesting to stare at. Right? Or sometimes it's just nonlinear learning, in my opinion, that you need fragments of 30 different things to fit one picture together. Right? Whereas school is like, focus on this one thing and this one thing alone. Do you think, Josh, that ADHD is a little bit 
too easily thrown around in terms of it being a diagnosis and, and that it might be more beneficial if we just talk to these people about the stuff they're going on that's going on in their life, why it's hard necessarily to slow down to the moment that they're in? Well, for me, um, you know, I definitely don't want to discredit anyone who like self-diagnoses, uh, not by any means. Um, I think there's like a little bit of like a buzz around it. And there's also the unfortunate fact that several comorbidities can present as each other. Um, and we're still learning that, you know, it's still been stigmatized for so long. Um, and it's because of that stigma, back to what you were saying, Andrew, about this whole, um, you know, like, I'm broken mindset. Uh, you know, there's that tagline that goes with anxiety. Why am I like this? And I think, <laughs> you know, the big, the big shift for me personally, um, not only dealing with ADHD, but also embracing that question, why am I like this? And, you know, just like persisting with like, why, why, why? And, uh, you know, it was that shift to, okay, no, I'm not going to let me beat me anymore. You know, I'm going to confront what's going on. And um, that shift, even though it's hard as hell and terrible, <laughs> you know, and still, still working on it and still going to continue working on it um that shift for myself and i think for a lot of others could definitely be one of the biggest differences it's um that's a hard awakening to go back to sleep on, you know um so yeah i think i think the adhd definitely uh, like to comorbidities and everything it appears as each other but i think when it comes to awakening and everything, like really understanding what's going on and, you know, I am you, you are me. Um, I think it can be helpful sometimes too. Um, it definitely showed me some things in a way that in my experience now, since joining TikTok and community, a lot of other people have gone through this. And I know it didn't have to be that hard, but in some ways I think I'm kind of great. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I feel like our biggest struggle can be our greatest awakening. And while I haven't necessarily had ADHD related tendencies or, or something in that realm, I think my sort of backing comes from feelings of anxiety and, and extreme nervousness. And, and so like kind of to compare not the literal aspect of it, but just my experience of having something that I thought made me incorrect. It was, it was like, I always thought when I was, would experience like extreme nervousness that I had this idea, oh, if I could just get rid of this, then I could live my life. And what I found over the years was that it was never about getting rid of it. I still feel the same exact feelings on occasion that I would when I was 16 years old. The difference is that I don't try and get rid of it anymore. I've learned to live with it. So it's almost the idea of, of accepting that the feelings aren't going to go away and they don't have to. You can live a full and fulfilling life with still getting these, these pangs of, for me, something like nervousness or anxiety and, or someone with ADHD, like when that, when it comes up, it's not something that you have to like shut down or like try and turn off. It's like, you can feel it and then just kind of like roll with it and let it almost like roll off your back sort of, and feel it and like let it take you a little bit in like a slightly different direction than maybe you like originally thought when you started 
whatever. I don't even know what I'm referencing here. If you're like walking down a path and you start to feel it and then you like turn a little bit and, and just kind of roll with it and realize that, you know, you don't have to like force yourself to keep going straight. You can just like pivot a tiny bit and then it's seamless and then you keep, keep going. So is that you or, or Maddie, do you have a feelings like that that you've, you've sort of felt that you've, you know, thought that you had to get rid of. And, and now you feel like, Oh, I don't, you realized one day, like, Oh, I don't have to get rid of this. Like I can feel this and, and still do great. I can, for me, for example, like I can be really nervous for something and still do a really good job. They're not mutually exclusive feelings. And the more I accept that, the less I feel those feelings to the point now where, where they rarely come up. And if they ever do, it's just, that's okay. I can, I can do it anyway. I find that, um, my feelings are just basically emotional feedback sometimes like when I'm at work and I'm walking around because my job is like super easy I can like basically just sit in my head all day but when I'm walking around sometimes I'll I'll just have different views and then I'll feel the emotions and then I'll try to do something in a different way and then I'll feel something else so I'm just kind of like learning that like my feelings are more of the aftermath process of like it's like after what my brain feels it's like all right cool process and then it's like feelings now like we're going to process like through my whole body um and yeah I'm just kind of like learning to like not really take my feelings as seriously as I used to because I used to like identify so hardcore with um my star sign which is a cancer and so because cancers are extremely emotional I used to just like always identify with my emotions. So anytime like I've realized this as well, like I'm in a situation, my awareness kind of checks back on my emotions, like through the situation. Like it's always like, it's like trying to deal with thoughts and then also process the feelings. It's like, all right, what's going on here? Okay, quickly process feelings. What's going on here? Quickly process feelings. It's like it's always going back to like check right, how we're we feeling. We're we feeling good. Is this like, do we feel safe? Do we feel comfortable? Is this person making us feel all right? Like, you know, can we feel like we can be ourselves? And I used to just base so much of like my decisions and almost everything off of how I felt. And now it's just like, you know what? We're just going to kind of ignore that, push it up to the side, like let myself still feel like it's completely okay to feel it completely okay to have these emotions there's nothing wrong with it it's just a part of you know life and you can't help it but you can always just be aware of like just be aware and um god damn lost my train of thought um that that made me think of, of something in general and and it comes okay so here's my perspective when it comes to the emotional thing right like every emotion is very much like hitting a tuning fork right bang and it vibrates right but if you leave it alone if you have some clarity and nobody comes and starts banging on more tuning forks right it'll just fade away but the problem is, is that then all of a sudden we get in there and we're like i have an opinion about that emotion tang and another vibration goes and now i have an opinion about that tang and it just keeps hitting and then we're surrounded by people who have opinions about what we're feeling and they're all telling us tang 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 and we can't even hear ourselves think anymore Right. So how can we sort out our emotions or learn anything from them? And this is why one of my earliest TikToks was saying something along the lines of 
it's very difficult to learn from what you're experiencing when you're focused on your opinion of what you're experiencing, right? Because you're blinding yourself with your own opinion. You're blinding yourself with your preconceptions, right? And so I think what helped me over time was being able to find more of that silence or allowing that, that ting to, you know, finish before going into another thought, like just getting myself out of the way. It's like, oh, I'm feeling depressed right now. Let's let that go away. Then I'll think about it, right? Rather than I need to get involved. I need to make the stop. I need to, you know, institute control, which just again, ting, 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 ting. And before you know it, I have no sensitivity at all. So Josh, I know watching uh, your TikToks at one point, I don't know where you are now, but I know at one point you were working up in Alaska and you obviously had more time to yourself there, which would make it a lot easier to find that space. Do you find getting into nature, getting away from, from society to the same crush that you would deal with it in say a city like Andrew, um, do you find that that was helpful? Do you find that that's something that could help people early on just finding that space for themselves? Oh, absolutely. Um, I ended up going through some um, misgivings with some friends up there and it didn't work out, which was unfortunate. But uh, my last three months in Alaska, I ended up spending anywhere from six to nine hours a day in the forest by myself. Um, I bring headphones, uh, turn on some type of like lo-fi hip hop, you know, a couple of joints and just be silent and still and, you know, try to feel the rock underneath me and the sticks that were touching that, the leaves there. And, you know, like really try to like, just feel it as much as I could. And the things I got to see while just sitting quietly in the forest was absolutely amazing. You know, lynxes, foxes, porcupines, no grizzlies, thankfully. Um, and it was during that three month time, I made healthier decisions, I made plans i set up the next steps for like at least the next eight or nine months of my life um it was hands down one of the most helpful time periods and again it's that transitional time because it was like you know right on the heels of some type of disaster whether it be emotional physical financial you know and um it was like i said absolutely one of the most helpful time periods of my life that connection nature you know especially take your shoes off <laughs> like absolutely take your shoes off um you know um and there are a few times i got to you know, like do some mushrooms there on myself as well. um you know got chased by a moose that was fantastic um <laughs> but um yeah just allowing yourself to open up in that mindset whether it be you know meditation psychedelics you know same the same mountain different paths um I think that was one of the best things I've ever experienced. And I'm trying to get that back into my daily routine, now. you know, at least for like an hour in the morning, something to get going, you know, to keep in touch. Um, you know, if you're going to a nine to five every day and not seeing any like results from your labor, you know, that's depressing. Do that on the place. Hands down for anyone, however. Absolutely. I always, uh tell my clients that it's important to remember why you're doing the rest of this stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. it's important to remember you're choosing to do it because there's a benefit, but if you get so caught up in the, just the drudgery of it, there is no benefit. In which case you, you need to change your schedule just a little bit. Take five minutes to watch the sun go down. Take, you know, a half hour to just sit on a bench, whatever it is, just be you. So that's great advice. I love that. And I think that we could all benefit. I'm just 
in our interactions with one another by giving each other a little bit more space, by not immediately going, this is what I think of what you're feeling, ah, right? Instead of just listening to how you're feeling and not having an opinion about it, because I don't have to have an opinion. You're just going through the process of feeling. The fact that I'm here is just helping that process along, right? So I find that really interesting. And Maddie, you had said something earlier about working where you do, but not really being doing anything special. And I wanted to disagree with you quickly because I have worked so many jobs where the job itself was totally pointless. Like, let's be honest, you know, stocking shelves or, 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 or moving thing, crates around or, or you know, unloading trucks, things like that. Yeah, you're, you're serving the corporation, but you're not really helping humanity out a whole lot, right? But it's in the moment to moment of that job. It's in the moments that, that instead of beating yourself up for not doing the job right, you go, nah, I did my best and you let it go, right? Or it's in the moments where your, your boss is being a dick and you don't take it personally because it has nothing to do with you, right? It has to do with them and their, and their job, right? And so you take each moment of that job, regardless of it, what it is, and you make that special because that's about your life. Each moment's a chance for you to Un unravel a little bit more of the mess that you've made for yourself over time, right? But it's in those moments. So it's always special if you make it that way. Some of the best jobs I've ever had were manual jobs that required nothing from me in terms of like digging ditches or, or painting walls. And in those moments, I learned more about myself just by watching the inner dialogue, right? All of a sudden, I find myself painting a corner or something in a house, thinking about my past going, where the hell did that just come from? Like I was just painting the wall. Suddenly I'm back at six years old, right? And so there, here comes the opinion of that or just paint the wall, let it play out, let it process, let it go through. And so I learned a lot in terms of how little of me was really required in what I was doing, right? And that's what made it especially helpful to me was allowing myself to get out of the way. So I just wanted to comment on that quickly because in the same way, giving each other space can help us heal giving ourselves space helps us heal. Taking that pressure off, there's nowhere you need to go. There's nothing you need to do except work on yourself. And that is what's, for, what's best for all of us. Yeah, I just wanted to um, mention it like that because, you know, in our society, it's say a menial job or, you know, like, oh, you're doing a great deal for society. Um, but truth be told, like, I actually love my job because of reasons like that. Like I'm literally walking around the store and then I'm thinking about, you know, stuff that happened like, I don't know, years ago. It's just a random situation that happened. It'll pop up in my head and I'm like, yeah, why am I thinking of this right now? Like what made this come up? But it's cool because I'm like, sweet, I can deal with it now. I get, I get to look at it from a different perspective and I get to have another chance of like, you know, learning something from my past. But um yeah I don't like um one thing I've learned on this journey is that forgiveness is a big thing you have to really forgive yourself and forgive everybody around you who has all what you think did you wrong but like in truth be told if they hadn't have done that to you you wouldn't be you know where you are today and here right now um so I regret nothing that I've been through I regret none of my life because it's what led me to where I am today I mean like it's you know it's like the same thing in the Lord of the Rings where people are like oh well, why didn't they just you know take the eagle to um the mountain and it's like yeah well like 
what would have happened if they did take the Eagles? Would they, like, have all died because, I don't know, like, something else could have happened? We don't know. Like, the story had to happen in the way it had to happen because, like, that's it. That's why it had to happen. It had this effing, like, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I just uh, wanted to ramble on about that very quickly. And I'm but, um, very glad that you did. I think the Eagles controversy <laughs> had to be addressed eventually. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, I, I also wanted to bring this up because um, I'm really passionate about it. Um, and it's something that I've been through my whole life, especially being female. This is something that is quite personal to me. And being male, you guys don't have to worry about it at all. But like, um, I just find that no one's really talking about it or it's not like it's not an issue but well, it sort of is and isn't it just depends on the way you look at it but um body hair like i am you know i'm kind of lazy like i don't really care about my leg hair or anything like that and um i just think it's really funny that women having body hair really upsets some people how it can make other people feel dirty or you know you're just like oh my god be a little bit more civilized or you know like clean yourself up like um the times where I've been when you're at home with your family you think that that's like the safest place to be where you can like you know fully be yourself and just like you know express yourself be how you want to be well I would just walk around like home with like you know, hairy legs and my family would always comment like, oh my God, shouldn't you go shave your legs? And I'd just be like, why do you care? Like, why does it matter to you so much? Is it because like, if like I'm with you and someone else sees me with you, like because I'm being with you, that makes me look bad because I don't know, just because it's not the norm or it's not, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because um, like it's something that I've had to deal through or deal with like my whole life and I just don't understand why people find body hair so disgusting especially on women like I get you know the um the influence for like why women started shaving because of like how men went to the war and stuff but um yeah I just don't realize why you know it's funny when they um even show shaving ads they'll have like a woman with like no hair on her legs and she'll be using a razor. And I'm just like, if you want to impress me or advertise like your product, use like a gorilla or something. Use something that actually has like a shit ton of hair or use me. Like, cause <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's just, um, I, it's the things that people will do just to please other people on a surface level. Like there's so much of that. Like, I always wonder, like, you know, girls who wear makeup, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of want to ask them, like, are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for society? Like, who are you doing it for? Like, there's just so many questions, like, um, in the little actions that we do that, like, I want to have these conversations with people and discuss it, but then they think that I'm attacking them personally. And I'm like, no, 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 I just want to discuss this as, like, a whole, like, you know, like, why are you doing this? Oh, because I want to, but like, yeah, do you really want to, or are you just trying to fit in? Or, yeah, like, I just wanted to bring that up. So, 
it's, yeah, it's can... tricky, right? Like I, I, I have a 15 year old daughter who's growing up in this. I went and spent eight months in the woods with, with my wife where she didn't shave for eight months, right? Like that's just part of how it goes. But um, I think it's really important to remember that the majority always, always changes at a slower rate than the outliers, right? And so what you're dealing with in general is just the fact that I had an idea of what the world was, what the rules were and how I was supposed to fit in and you're not doing it. And, and that's all it is, is that you're making me uncertain about the world that I thought I knew, right? And that's where things are changing for a lot of us. And, and it's not just, you know, uh, women and, and, and body hair, because that's something that's being questioned too. I mean, you can find a lot of women online who are just saying, fuck that noise. And they are just letting themselves grow their hair. And if anybody has opinion, there's a big middle finger that comes up, too bad, deal with it. And that, that is that change that's happening. On the flip side, it's funny because you, you, you were saying that as a man, you, you don't understand this. I'm gonna disagree with you and I'm gonna disagree with you strictly because over the last 10 to 15 years, this idea of manscaping has just taken off. Like there are so many dudes who don't have a speck of body hair on them because it's unacceptable. It's not magazine worthy, right? And they will go off about oh how chest hair is disgusting and all this stuff. And I'm 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 literally I'm I'm a rug walking around. My family calls me Sasquatch lovingly. Okay. And you just learn to deal with it. But I've, I've felt insecure about it in the past. I remember when I was a teenager and I had, uh, I, I hadn't mastered shaving. And so the hair would kind of come up above my collar. One of my bosses made fun of me in front of everybody else. Yeah. Same reason. Right. And, and it's because again, it's challenging what he wants to believe is the right thing to do. It's challenging what all the hoops that he's jumped through to be acceptable that I'm not jumping through. Therefore I'm invalidating him. Right. It's not personal. It's not even about us, right? It's just about the fact that their world is super fragile. It's very easy to shake and they are very much dependent on it not being shaken. Whereas this conversation is all about shake the world, shake it to hell, I'll be fine, right? I will adapt because I have that mentality to do it, right? But we're talking about people who don't. And so I, I try to remember, you know, don't, don't throw pearls before swine, you know, don't consider the source consider where it's coming from. If somebody's going to be, you know, judging you, immediately you know they're they're not looking at you. Right? They're looking at themselves. I said this on the podcast Ran and I were on yesterday actually, but people in our society avoid uncertainty like the fucking plague. And when something goes against a societal quote-unquote norm, it makes people uncertain. And that makes them uncomfortable because they're inherently insecure, not inherently insecure, but they're super fucking insecure. And any sense of uncertainty or a questioning of something that they cling to for a false sense of certainty is going to rattle their cage and they don't know how to respond. So all they do is, is put it on you. And they're like, you change because you're making me uncomfortable because you're questioning everything I hold on to for a false sense of security, which makes me feel more comfortable, but also, you know, deep down doesn't because I'm still scared of everything. And and you're triggering me because you have like fucking a couple hairs on your legs. Like it's, it's wild, but yeah, societal norms. I love talking about this stuff because there's so many things, especially when you're on mushrooms, it's like a lot of stuff. It's like, what, what, this doesn't make sense. Like you guys seeing this, you seeing this, like, this is crazy. Like, even you know i've brought this up a few times on the podcast but like the idea of stoplights and crosswalks like 
in New York, there's a lot of places that maybe don't always have a ton of cars. And when I'm on mushrooms and I walk up to one, there's like a crowd of people who just aren't paying any attention. No cars whatsoever. Just kind of look both ways, just like walk across and like people will wait there. And even on smaller streets, like in my neighborhood, it's, it's all one ways. And like, there's not always a ton of cars, especially during the week. And there'll be like five people waiting to cross like 10 feet without a car in sight. And they just stand there. And I'm like, this is madness. Like this is robot like that. I start thinking of humans as robots when I start seeing those things, because we really are like so many of our actions and assumptions and ideas about things are programmed into us to the point that like, we're actually getting closer to robots. And I haven't really thought about this that much, but like the idea of AI, it's like, we're almost becoming the AI. Like we're almost becoming the idea of robots taking over the world. Like the movie, I robot from whenever 15 years ago, it's like, it's almost like just us becoming robots. Like so many of our activities and processes are so robotic and the idea of the subconscious, like in influencing 95% of our life, like we're becoming the robots in so many ways. And so bring it back to, you know, the norms and, and something like female leg hair or male body hair, like makes people feel uncertain about what they believe to be true. They think, you know, women shouldn't have body hair and men are starting to maybe shouldn't have body hair and you have it and it causes them to question something. And they're like, Oh no, like malfunction, error, error. And then they put it on you and they're like, you need to change that because I'm uncomfortable. That's the problem. I'm uncomfortable you change because somehow the discomfort isn't on me right and, and i think that is exactly why psychedelics are, are so important and we might as well open up this conversation now because andrew started it so i'm blaming him um psychedelics what do they do they make us uncertain they make us come to terms with the reality of uncertainty which means that every moment is an opportunity to look at everything afresh Right? Which is why on mushrooms, often your assumptions just go out the window. And it's like, I don't like eating that. Now, let me try it. Actually, that's really good. Hmm, I've never tried that before. Right? And it's because you're so used to being who you normally think you are, that when you take that, that coat off, the world is new. Right? Everything is a totally different experience. And it's not like we need psychedelics to do that, but it really is about questioning the narrative that we're so used to. It's about questioning the things that we tell ourselves. And I know for me, depression and everything else that I was diagnosed with at the time was a part of me. That's who I thought I was. So every time I'd go into the doctor, every time I go to the therapist and they tell me a new diagnosis or they tell me a new, a new uh, behavior that I was exhibiting, that became part of my coat. And so every situation I went into, I was carrying that narrative. Every time somebody's like, hey, man, you feel like coming out to the bar tonight? We're going to get together. I'd be like, oh, I'm depressed. I better check in on my narrative. Is this something I think that I can do based on my narrative? And it, and it was. It was, it was. That was what, what was happening all the time. There wasn't a single decision I made where I wasn't carrying my character with me. And that's why I couldn't escape it because it was happening, right? As we've said before, I almost preferred to have a negative idea of myself than to have no idea of myself, right? And then... Along came psychedelics, right? And I had had psychedelic experiences before, but it was mostly with LSD, which has a very different side effect or a very different result in that LSD will, will make you loosen up a little bit, but it allows you to keep that sense of control, right? And so 
as much as I was watching things move and having a great time, I was still the character I was carrying with me, right? Whereas with mushrooms, that character vanished. And I was, I was sitting there left with the reality of the world and myself within it, you know, man and God, middle of nowhere, just that's it. And that was the reality. That was the experience. That's the relationship we have, right? And so as soon as I came to terms with that and I could clearly see this poor, blackened, misshapen character that I was carrying around as a picture of who I thought I was. And I could never see it clearly until I could step back from it. And as soon as I could see it, I could show it love. I could help, I could dust it up a little bit and go, ah, it's not that bad, you'll be fine, right? And then use that character without attaching to it. And over time, that character has just become, you know, kind of a customizable option in my life, right? Like when I meet people, it's like, who am I going to be today, right? Based on however I feel in the same way as, as Kung Fu or Wing Chun, right? It's like, you know, what do you do if I throw a punch this way? It's like, I don't know, do it, let's find it, right? Because everything is a matter of feeling. Everything is a matter of what's happening in the moment. So I just wanted to, to bring that up because I find that psychedelics were an instrumental part of me changing my, my mental health journey. Just the ability to separate myself from the narrative and from all of the stuff that society was telling me was wrong with me gave me that clarity to at least tackle it from the ground floor rather than feeling like I was standing on top of a pile trying to work to the bottom. I was at the bottom of it, realizing all the crap that I had added on top and that made it easier to see. So Josh, I'm gonna start with you. Then we're gonna to go to Maddie. Um, your experiences with psychedelics, whether they be previous or recent, um, have you found the same kind of impact in terms of allowing you to just step back and get a clearer perspective of what you've been doing out of habit? And do you think that that would be more beneficial than half the ADHD and other medications that we're giving to, to most of society? Well, um... For me, my uh, my psychedelic journey has definitely had uh, two uh, two different sides to it. Um, you know, there's absolutely been the recreational, you know, like you know, let's take two hits and go swimming, you know, things along those lines. Um, and then and it's been probably about twelve years since I started using psychedelics. And it started out, you know, recreational, just trying to have a good time, but very much playing in the shallow end of the pool. Um, but peppered all throughout that experience, especially in some larger chunks, you know, within the past couple of years, was this intention of like, okay, what am I going to learn this time? You know, going in with an intentional mindset. Um, and several times even inducing bad trips, you know, when I had so much cluttered in my head and I just could not think straight and was so far down the spiral, you know, that I knew I needed to do something extreme, but not dangerous. You know, I needed to really dive in and face what was going on. Um, I didn't get to those like helpful times a little bit later. But even in the very first part of my usage, it was uh, after I had experienced it a few different ways, um, it was very much like, wow, society really condemns the shit out of this. Like, you know, I've heard awful things like one type of acid is a hit of manslaughter. Like, what? What? And then, you know, it's just this like, you know, I'm definitely the black sheep of my family. And, um, 
know, and I've told all of them, I'm like, listen, you have no idea. You don't have to do the whole thing. All right? It's not like the cartoons you see. It's not like that at all, you know. And um, I definitely spent about a year talking to different relatives, like, you know, because at first they were shocked at what I was doing, you know, like, oh, you're doing eating mushrooms? I was like, yes, and it's a great time. Come on. <laughs> and, um, you know, I actually got one cousin I convinced to, you know, eat about two and a half grams of mushrooms. And he had the best time. He absolutely loved it. It's a time he'll never forget. But of course, he's also very much, um, you know, in the mainstream, keeping up with whatever's current and trendy. So he's also like, I'll never do it again, but I'll never forget it either. And, um, you know, even I noticed like a significant change in him after that evening. Like he became a bit more interesting than like hope of his students. Um, when you talk about in comparison with ADHD meds, I think it's, um, What's the best way to say this? It's like having a faster walk kit with the um, psychedelics as opposed to ADHD meds. The ADHD meds seem to, you know, in my experience, the goal is just to balance you out. And from that balance, you still have so much work to do. Psychedelics will absolutely uh, speed up your process with, you know, at least getting your foot in the door. Um, I think there's absolutely the ability for them to complement each other very well, especially when you're on this journey of like figuring out yourself and what's going on. Uh, however, I think with the plethora of like formulas available and depending upon the stigmas and biases of whichever doctor prescribes what and how much trial and error it is, I think the percentages at which you would see those complement each other would be fairly low. And then even that fairly low is working best, you know, the stigma of psychedelics as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I'm excited by the amount of research that's being done. Like right now in Canada, uh, psilocybin mushrooms have been legalized for medicinal use. And so for the next several years, there's going to be a lot more in terms of research here on the island. There's a company called Numinous. And they've been doing work with psychedelics in terms of uh, heroin addictions, in terms of opiates and stuff like that. And so they're they're definitely doing the research now. And I know in the states they're doing the same. So I'm I'm encouraged by that. But there is that that capitalistic mechanism where you know pharmaceuticals aren't going to be happy about it, right? They're they're just not because it's it's cheap. You're growing mushrooms. Like, I mean, how how do you patent that? And and so I'm excited to see where it's going to go. And I agree with you that you know it, it's something that I think that people have to explore for themselves because you're not going to find a medical professional or at least it's going to be very rare to find one who's going to say yeah if you if you're careful you can experiment you can find you know something that works for you in your life with all of your other meds and and, and whatnot but i think it's really important that that people take that experimentation slowly knowing that there is that benefit and i like the way you said i needed to shake myself up in a way that was safe because that's very much what the psychedelic experience is is that it may not feel safe at first, but then that's the realization. It's like, right, I don't need to be certain to be safe. I just need to be here. And so that, that's fantastic. Maddie, how about you with your experiences in terms of mental health? I, I know that you have, you have a lot of experience with psychedelics. Um, we're gonna pass it back to Andrew after the fact, but I wanna get to Maddie quickly because dealing with doubt, dealing with people who judge you, dealing with society and, their, and its perspectives of psychedelics, especially in Australia, 
where there is still a large stigma even against cannabis. And I know from, from being in that industry that it's, it's quite a difficult conversation to breach with some people. Um, do you find the use of psychedelics to be something that is still useful in your life or, or is just the stigma and the judgment make it not worth exploring or, or something that you would recommend people keep to themselves? So I definitely would like probably use psychedelics until the day I die. Um, or until, you know, the day my physical body dies. Um, but, uh, like, I am very much an advocate for um, psychedelics, like, especially for people who um, who I can see as just struggling and it just, like, you know, it might be another way out or just another route for them to go down that could possibly lead to a way out um, or just more so the fact that it gives you um, a different perspectives. And for me, um, when I first tried psychedelics, I felt like it was opening up my third eye. It felt like it opened up a door in my mind that I didn't even know was there. Um, and when I first started doing psychedelics, I think I was like 18. Um, so I first started doing LSD. And I just remember from my first trip, like, wow, like religion is so full of shit and just felt like I had been lied to like, you know, my whole life. And like there was so much that I felt like was hidden from me, um, you know, started going down like um, the pyramid codes. I started like getting really like aware of like all of the background stuff and like the corporate businesses and the corporate like just everything and was like oh my god like I don't know if I can actually live in this world and go on like it feels so scary but like you can't think like that because if you do you're just gonna be stagnant and you're just gonna you're not gonna move anywhere or like get anywhere and it's not that you know you're trying to get anywhere but it's just that you can't progress or you can't you know better yourself um with that kind like with thinking like that, like just, you know, being known that like, this is what's happening. Okay, so what can I do to, you know, help this situation? What can I do to turn things around? Well, the best thing that I think that I can do at the moment is just to keep talking and having conversations. And just, I think that us having these conversations definitely makes ripples. And I feel that the change is coming. And I feel that the change is definitely coming the more people are standing up and, you know, being a bit more brave and um, speaking out and talking about, you know, what it is that they feel it is true within themselves and, you know, not going along with, you know, just the way things are, but actually like saying like, no, this is bullshit. Just because this has been the way this whole time doesn't mean that there is another way to do things. And, um, yeah, like uh, psychedelics has definitely helped me in terms of um, depression and maybe not so much well, sort of anxiety. I try, I'm, I do get a little bit anxious when I go out when I'm tripping, but that's just because I'm a bit afraid of like, oh my God, are people going to realize that I'm tripping? Like, um, you know, especially being in a country where it's illegal. And the thing that I realize is that you know, no one really knows. Like, they don't really notice. Like, 
all they're wondering is like, why is this person so quiet? Why is it just like standing there and not saying anything? So like, yeah, it's it's been really funny um, to, and it's been like an uh, interesting journey to realize like how much of everything is going on in my head. But um, with uh, LSD, um, like I loved LSD, but I could feel that there was a part of me or myself that was also growing with LSD. It's completely different to mushrooms, whereas mushrooms feel like they just kind of, they just sort of dissolve your um, your preferences, like what you thought that you liked or stuff that you thought that bothered you, like, you know, while you're tripping on mushrooms doesn't really bother you as much when you're in that state and you're just like, oh, I can just let it go and look, it's fine. Nothing's happening. Like, oh my God, like if I don't, you know, clean the house, it's not like, um, you know, the rental people are going to come over and say, you haven't cleaned this house in two days. Like they're throwing you out or something like that. Like, um, because well, through my life, um, I've just always been sort of like, hold off for like doing certain things and from that like the more I got told off the more fear built up of like being told off again so I realized this last night that I'm still actually scared of like being told off and so whenever someone comes up to me and asks me like a question or is like hey Maddie I instantly think like oh shit what have I done like have I done something wrong oh my god like um but yeah, psychedelics have definitely helped me in just figuring out myself and like figuring out that, you know, realizing that no one actually knows where we're going. Like, you know, our governments and the churches make it seem like, you know, yeah, we know the, the direction in which we're heading. Like, we've got everything figured out for the next like 50 years. And it's like, no, we, we don't. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next hour. Like, it's just funny how they make it seem like they're so certain in their knowing what's going to happen or they know everything, but they just want to make it seem like they've got it all under control. And I think COVID, like, was a real big eye-opener of, like, no, they don't know what's the fuck, but like they got no idea what they're doing. They're just rolling with the punches as much as they are. Um, but uh, when I um like made the change from like acid to mushrooms, I discovered that a part of myself was still there with LSD. And even though that you know I had like many amazing trips and recreational fun times and um like, you know, met people and, like, had a real good time, I just realised that, like, you have to be wary. Um, I think that it's important to have, um, you know, people to do it with or just at least one trip sitter to help you feel grounded in this reality because if you do it by yourself too much and... At the wrong, if your set and setting aren't really all there, like especially if you're doing it at a time where, you know, your mindset is where you're really stressed out, you're going through a lot of shit at the moment, you know, you're, you don't have much money or but you've got all these problems. And if you decide to do that, that's just going to amplify all of your problems and make it seem like they're so much 
more intense than they actually are. And it just can lead you to spiral out of control a little bit. And um, it kind of, you can sort of create your own, create your own false reality. Like um, if you let yourself, you just have to realize that like, you know, like I'm not my thoughts. My thoughts are just, you know, they're just my brain processing. It's just my brain thinking or talking to itself. Um, but uh, like I've seen people who have, because well, I love DMT as well, and I've seen people who have like done so much DMT where they think that they've had an ego death, and then it's just funny when, yeah, they come back and um, they want to. I understand like that they want to be humble and they want to, you know, they don't want to seem like a bad person or they just want to be whole and everything of the world. Like they don't realize that, yeah, you've still got an ego and like there's nothing wrong with having an ego. It's like a part of us. It's just recognizing when it's kind of taking over or yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I love psychedelics, but um, I would uh, definitely recommend them to, you know, any and everyone. Um, I kind of wonder, like, where would I be if I had done psychedelics later in my life as opposed to doing them at, like, 18 or, like, what kind of effects has that had, you know, on my brain? But I also don't really care because, you know, oh, well, I can't really reverse it. So, yeah, I'm happy just being where I am right now. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think, um, I resonate with just about everything both of you just said and, and have really appreciated my experiences with psychedelics. The only thing I've ever taken is mushrooms, never tried, um, any of the others, although I have gotten high enough where things start hallucinating quite a bit with, uh, with weed. So been there when, uh, it's kind of funny. I, I had a, I got a PAX from my uncle, uh, like a few months ago and I kept zeroing it. Like I was sucking it in and I, I wasn't sure if it was like coming out necessarily. Cause I was blowing nothing because I was inhaling all of it. And I took like 10 rips like that. And all of a sudden I took a smaller one and I realized it was, and I was like, Ooh, I just hit this really hard a lot of times. And I just sat down in my desk chair and like the whole room was just like wobbling. Like if I was, it was like when I was on five grass and mushrooms basically. But anyway, um, I, I wanted to go back to like some of the stuff you guys said um, with like doing them around people also, like I've done it around people a few times. And like sometimes like all my friends in New York, like there's always some people going out every weekend and and I don't as much as I used to in college. And, and a lot of times now I'll even just like mix in some nights. If I don't feel like having beers, like I'll, I'll have a gram of mushrooms or something and just go out on that. And it's, it's like a much different experience than alcohol. And there's certain situations that are like, I enjoy, enjoy a little bit more um, than, than others going out. Like there's somewhere I'm just like, I don't need to be here and I'll just like leave after an hour, but sometimes it's fun. And there's aspects like I was at a, a pregame with like 30 people there. And I was, I had done a full trip of like three grams and I was kind of like on the come down. This is like probably hour four or five. And I was, I was sitting there just like, 
talking to some people and it was people I had just met. And so I was just like introducing myself. And then there was like a lull in the conversation and I was chilling. Like I was just sitting on a couch with like a couple of people around me and we were just talking and I was just like sitting there and there was not a care in the world, but I could feel everyone being like, like tightening up and I could like feel like they, there should be something happening. And the reality was like, there's nothing wrong with lulls in conversation. There's nothing wrong with silence, but we've almost been programmed into thinking that we're is, there is. So when, when it happens, it's like this crazy thing that we don't know what to do with it. But if you're relaxed, you just leave it be. So Maddie, when you're saying like, sometimes people, when, if you're high or, or tripping around them, they might just wonder like, why is this person so quiet? And in my head, I always think it's more like, why is this person so relaxed? Like there's, there's so much to be not relaxed about. Like I'm, I'm so tense because I don't know what's next. I don't know what's coming. And, and that's the only reason that the tension is built because you think you shouldn't be feeling the situation that you're in or feeling the feelings that you're feeling. But if you relax into that and recognize that you, you, everything you're feeling is always permitted. Like it's always okay to be feeling whatever you're feeling. Like that is how to reduce the internal suffering that, that we sort of create within ourselves. And so it's funny to see that when, cause no one else besides I was there with like three or four of my friends, they all knew that I was. So they were interacting. So like some of the conversations we were having, like, I like to go deep, especially if I'm on some mushrooms and just like, see how deep someone will go with something and just question some of the things that they're, they're thinking or you know, whatnot, but no one else knew. And and so it's just kind of fun to interact with people like that. And then the other thing um, about just embodying the experience and when it comes to psychedelics, like I love talking about it. I could talk about psychedelics and I have talked about psychedelics with people that I meet who maybe don't know anything about psychedelics, whether it's family or friends. And pretty much everyone I come across has a stigma about them. I will, if they're interested and because I'm fairly open about taking them and talking about them, I'm, I'm willing to chat and they know that I am. So a lot of people come at it, um, with, with a lot of curiosity. And, and so I love breaking down those stigmas. And I think what I've found is early on when I first took, I'm similar to early on when I started meditating, I, especially like around my family, I was like, you guys, you got to try, at least just try meditating, you know, like you're, you're suffering through all this stuff. Your, your thoughts are, are running your life. Like just, just sit and like watch them for a little bit and come on, you can, you can do it. And I was kind of like pushy with it, pushy with it, pushy with it. And like, you know, they, they maybe tried it once or twice, but it was, it was more or less futile. And, and so over the years, I've found that the only thing you ever have to do is embody it, just be that freedom that, that you're experiencing and feel free to talk about it. You don't have to talk about it too anyone, but just chat about it. You know, you can bring it up if, if they're willing to chat. Great. If not, like you can talk about something else or, you know, if you're on social media, you know, talk about it to the degree you feel comfortable. I understand the legal side of it and not maybe wanting to do that. But um, something I really liked that Ray brought up on our Beyond Belief workshop this past weekend was, was the idea of, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't get it to drink. But what you can do is drink the water and tell them how fucking good it tastes. You can do that. So you can, you can embody and you can talk about it openly. And that's at the end of the day, the only thing you really can do. And a lot of times we get caught up thinking like, 
I want to change the world. I need to change the world. I need to help this person. I need to do this, need to do that. And so many times it's so futile and, and it oftentimes does the opposite because people need to come to things themselves. You know, you can't wake anyone up. You can't change anyone's mind. They have to change their own mind. They have to see the things internally. They, they change from within, not from without. So just coming to terms with that can be very helpful for people to realize that you don't have to do anything outside of yourself. And as, as you see that you are interconnected with everyone and everything, and even something else kind of along those lines that, um, Maddie, before, when you were talking about your job and, and how, you know, you're mentioned initially that it doesn't, it's not, you're not doing anything too crazy, but, and Ray obviously thought slightly differently and, and had a different perspective. And I see that too, both on the, the physical side of our day-to-day lives and the, you know, recognition of what we truly are as a deeper sort of awareness of reality is that on the physical side, like even, you know, working at a grocery store, you interact with a bunch of people every single day. And so as much as it seems like maybe you're not having like this massive impact on society, like every single interaction that we have echoes in eternity. Like we don't oftentimes recognize how impactful every single little thing that we do. It impacts everything and ripples out. Like the person that you see, you are interacting with them through, from a sense of, of freedom and, you know, freeness and peace and, you know, whatever else. And they see that and maybe they are like, oh, wow, you know, this person, like maybe they have a point of view that like working at a grocery store isn't a huge deal, but then they're like, oh, but this, this person's having a great day and, and really having a good time with this. And they were so kind to me, like people don't in my life, don't act very kind to me all the time, but, and then that has an impact. And then on the deeper realm of recognizing we're all the same, more or less field of awareness, like as you change, as you embody this, you change that field of awareness, whether you're interacting with someone or not. So everything we do has impact at the end of the day. And, you know, at the end of the day, the only thing you ever have to do is, is embody and, and be that thing you want to see change. And that's more than enough. Nice. Well said. It's funny. I wanted to share a quick story with you that kind of goes along the same lines, because when I first uh, woke up uh, and, and very much as a result of psychedelics helping me separate from my narrative, I just want to tell everybody about it. Mushrooms, 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 everywhere mushrooms. That was pretty much my, my whole shtick for like three months. And while it resonated with people around my age, mid twenties, right? The older generation had none of it. They, they immediately judged me for even bringing up the conversation. And so a little while later, say about six months in, I was sitting outside this coffee shop in Calgary and I was talking to one of the older gentlemen that I had worked with at, at the call center I was with at the time. And he was telling me, well, we were watching a bunch of our friends who were in the field and they were all tripping balls, playing soccer, having fun. And he was just, he was just talking to me. He's like, you know, I, I never understood that. Like, well, what the hell is the point? And what does this do? And so rather than promote mushrooms, I just talked to him like, well, you know, what is it about them that, that, that's, that's bothering you? And, and eventually after a good half hour conversation, what we ended up coming to was the point where he had always been educated by his parents and everybody else that these things were bad for you. 
and, and always judge people his whole life for it being bad for you. It would almost be, um, it, it would almost make him feel bad to suddenly switch, right? And, and not judge people when he's done so his whole life. And then what does that mean about his life that he's missed out on all these experiences that he could have had? And so he communicated all of this to me. And by the end of the conversation finally went, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe they're not doing anything wrong. Maybe I should, I should question all of this. And I said, yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. And, and he asked me, he's like, well, you know, how do you know all this? I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I'm on three grams of mushrooms right now. And I hadn't told him through the whole conversation, right? And it was, it, that was the whole point is that the sensitivity was there. It wasn't the mushrooms that were doing it. It was me in that state of mind. And that's so much more effective. That's, that's awesome. That's, it's, it's fascinating how much of our, like talking about societal norms and, and whatnot, the idea of changing, the idea of changing your mind on something. We have this sunk cost fallacy that, you know, we, we can't change our mind because that changes the idea of ourself. And we cling to that idea of ourself for a false sense of certainty and uncertainty is the scariest fucking thing in the world. And so it's all interconnected and it's fascinating how often someone maybe wants to change, but it would invalidate their idea of themselves. And, and that self-defining idea makes them feel a little bit more comfortable because their idea of themselves is intertwined with their idea of, of society and other people and other people is intertwined with their idea of themselves and it's all interconnected. So as they judge someone else for something like that, they feel like, oh, well, I can't go back on that because that would be changing my idea of myself. And it's like, Oh God, it's okay. Like uncertainty is okay. Like that's what it comes down to is being uncertain is okay. Whether it's about yourself, about society, about your future, about other people, like it's okay to not know who you are because you can't know who you are. And it's perfectly fine to not know what's next or not know where your life is going or not have a five-year plan. I'd argue that it's significantly healthier to live your life in that mindset and just be there for your life. That's happening every single moment. Yeah. Because when you're in your life, the priorities that you set, the values that you establish through sensitivity, through empathy, through actually being involved, set the direction right? That's the point. We're always choosing an end result based on confusion and this sense of lack. And then we're wondering why even achieving the end results not helping us. It's because it's coming from a mentality that's confused, right? It's like the, the quote that you can't solve a problem from the same state of awareness that created it, right? Well, that's what we're doing all the time, right? Not realizing that, as we said in the workshop from the past weekend, that when you are aware, you don't really want anything except to be where you are and to make the most of it. Right? So it changes our mentality. So on that note, as we are approaching the hour and a half mark, I do want to open this up for some uh, last minute Q&A. If anybody has some questions that you'd like to bring to the table so we can discuss them here in the last half hour, that would be fantastic. Josh, I'm going to go to you first, because of course, we've had the least opportunity to talk to you over the last six months. Maddie, we see her all the time. And Josh, I'm hoping that we can get you to join us in our groups after this episode as well, because I know the community would love to have you as a part of it. But that all said, any questions that you would like to discuss while you were here? Uh, real quick, I just want to say what uh, Andrew was just talking about and just remind me of a quote that I heard that I love. Uh, my five-year plan is to maybe go out for ice cream this afternoon. 
And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I love it. Um, as far as like questions and everything, um, I think most of my questions relate to like the main struggle most of us are having is um, you know this like line between trying to um, integrate into society because they tell us we should, and versus you know trying to like almost was like desperately grabbing out to you know others like hey you know like finding this community here you know like okay some people think the way I do you know and I think um, you know this like this communication boom that we've had in technology over the past couple of years has made these insights not only more shareable of course while we're all here. Uh, but like it's brought to people who otherwise would have no access to this way of thinking. Um, you know, like we are limited. Um, you know, language is. Um, and, and you know, sorry, this is a question. Uh, it's just something I've had on my mind for a while. Uh, so language is limiting. Um, you know, you can always say what you've been taught how to say. And um, so I just want to say, like, I'm really grateful for everything um, as far as like getting into this community and learning from you Ray and you Andrew and um, just like knowing that there's someone else out there you know it's not just me I'm not the crazy one you know it's it's a fantastic feeling and it's uh, it's wonderful so I know like okay this is growth this is something I'll take it I'm not broke. yeah that, that that's what I got I just want to Thank you guys very much. We, we appreciate you, Josh. And I really appreciate anyone who's willing to question this stuff in the face of, you know, the shit storm that we're, we're sort of going through and existing within. But yeah, I like your point. And actually, I was scrolling through a bunch of your videos today on TikTok and, and the idea of language being limiting. And I think it's it's fascinating because when we're talking about this stuff, we, we've gotten to a point, I think, where most of our listeners, if they've been you know, through the first season, they know that when we talk about something, it's, it's, we know that it's not the thing, that we're, we're, it's always pointers. It's always pointing at the reality of it. And so we don't necessarily have to, have to caveat too much, um, but it's interesting when people take concepts or language, and I, I think they kind of go hand in hand to be the truth because they never are. But we, when, when it comes back to that idea of, of wanting a sense of certainty and a sense of control, we want there to be truth to things like time and space, even, for example. Like we want to be able to settle on that and settle on answers for that sense of certainty and and use language to express truths but they never can and that's another root of this sort of confusion that we exist within is that labels are truth that language is truth that tree is tree and road is road it's like no it's not and it's not to say that it's bad to say them like I've had conversations with people where they get so caught up in like, oh, so I can't even say tree. And it's like, no, say tree, but just recognize that that's not the truth. Like it's it's like truth is, you know, base layer and and level one is is 
the the label that you place upon it, but you can recognize all you have to do is recognize that it isn't the truth. So you don't get caught up in thinking that it is because as you take language to be the truth and, and words and, and labels to be the truth, you perceive division. And through that, you build ideas and concepts based on that division that you perceive, including the idea of yourself. And it's, it's very much interconnected to language never being the truth and language inherently being limiting for our ability to express reality. But as we take that to be the truth, it, it builds upon itself till we get to the point of like, oh my God, you know, what does that person think of me? Because I have this idea of myself and if they think of me in a negative way and they have this negative idea of me, then I have less value because I base my value based on the idea of myself that they are judging. They're not judging me, but they're basing, they're judging the idea of me, which is only a reflection of how they see themselves. It's, it's, so it's their idea of themselves that they're judging using me as like a portal of that judgment. And it's all because we take labels to be the truth is like where it all starts. So it's fascinating to talk about this. And, and I like that you brought that one up because I did want to touch on it, but it's like, so that's why, I don't know, we, we continuously try and communicate these things that it's, it's not that they're bad. It's not that it's wrong to use labels. Like they're very convenient. Just recognize that they're not the truth of reality and then keep moving forward because there's a lot of confusion that comes with getting caught up in thinking that they are the truth and when things go unquestioned. So just the process of questioning and then recognizing that it never is what you think it is. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the concept of the ego or God, right? As soon as you bring up the ego, depending on, on where that person has been exposed to that concept, they're going to have a different concept, right? If they come out of it uh, being exposed to, Freud, uh, exposed to Freud or Jung or later on the new, new age spirituality community, those are all different versions of the ego in terms of it being a concept, right? And so you're going to have a different conversation. Like sometimes you'll talk to people and you say, well, that's an egotistical thing to do. And they'll go, oh, you're judging me. It's like, no, we're just actually just talking about the mechanism, right? But we take ego to be a negative. Same with the concept of God right? It's like, do you believe in God? That's not God, because as soon as you do, it's an idea, right? And if you're talking about the, the unlimited or the infinite, an idea can't do it, right? So the idea of God is never the actual reality of God, but we get caught on it, because if we don't, then we're always in that uncertainty, right? It's like, you know, let's talk about God, but not that God. Let's talk about, and then you keep questioning, and eventually you end up with an insight, which is what we avoid, right? We just want to stick with what we know. The concepts of yesterday should be the concepts of today with very little alteration, unless it's peer reviewed and agreed upon by everybody else, right? But that's not how we evolve. We evolve one at a time, and then we cause ripples, right? And we change everybody else as a result. So I, I find that to be so funny that, and we say this, we say this so often that it's always just question, just question the validity of what you assume to be the truth. So Josh, I'm really glad that you brought that up because obviously it's, it's a passion of ours. And of course, we got to talk about the workshop a little bit, which is great too. Um, Maddie, any questions or anything you'd like to bring up while we're still here? I just wanted to add on to that, that settling onto like answers is also settling onto your perspective. Um, like I came to that insight when I did um, DNC, I think it was this week. But I thought I did like a reasonable amount and I was just, as I lay back onto my bed, preparing myself to go into it, 
I was just kind of like looking at the calendar um, that's on my wall. And then like, I realized that nothing was kind of changing and I was just like, what's going on? And then I also realized like, oh, you're expecting this, like you're settling on this. So it's going to stay like that until you choose to let go. And um, yeah, I I just wanted to ask um, uh, two questions. Um, the first one is, Andrew, do you ever plan on doing um, any DMT in the future? Um, and if you do choose to do DMT, which DMT do you want to do? Either like the acacia or the um, the toad DMT or ayahuasca. And then I also wanted to ask Ray. Um, I love how you say that you're a slow learner because, or you like think that you're a slow learner because I'm just like, dude, I feel like the slowest learner ever. But um, I just wanted to ask, like, every day, do you find that? I know you've been on your um, your journey for quite some time, but every like day, do you feel like you're still finding stuff that you have to work through and unravel, and just things in your past that you kind of have to let go, or like, do you just feel like you don't have, or you've been letting go of your um, preferences? So you are able to just kind of, I don't know, go with whatever. Like that must be so freeing because I feel that I still have preferences. I'm still working on like kind of letting them go and realizing that why do I care so much? And like my preferences with cleaning, like with cleanliness, like why do I care so much? Oh, because when I was a kid, like, you know, that's how my mom was around the house. Like, you know, never wanted us to be inside the house, like always outside playing, but wanted the house to always remain spectacularly flawless. And like that just doesn't work with kids because we're always <laughs> throwing some shit around. Like our level of care is just like this and her level of care is like this. And um, yeah, um, so I just wanted to ask those two questions and answer however you guys see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um short answer yes definitely <laughs> i definitely want to try dmt at some point i don't know enough about the differences um to give a great answer i guess also like maybe just try all of them at some point um but i was talking to a guy um a friend last week who had who's done ayahuasca and he did it a couple years ago and he said he he has like some people that he knows that are just like from the it wasn't necessarily, it was sort of a retreat. I think that he did, it was like two days and two different, you know, um, trip sort of things. And he was talking to me about it and it sounded, you know, very fascinating. And, and so he said, like, if I was ever interested, he lives out in LA that just to let him know, and he he'll, he'll do it again with me. He was, he was a guy I was on his, he has a podcast and he was visiting New York and just like met up to chat for a little bit. And, and he said like, he hasn't done it in like four years, but if I ever want to do it again, let him know and he'll do it again and he'll do it with me and, and we'll get it figured out. So like that I'm guessing would probably be the first time I try DMT. I told him, cause I'll probably spend a little bit of time on the West coast, um, next year. And I told him I'd, I'd let him know. Um, so yeah, definitely very intrigued by it. I've done a little bit of research into it. Um, and yeah, just, just intrigued and, and want to see what would happen with, with no expectations whatsoever. Cause I think it would be fascinating to say the least. That's fantastic. 
That's awesome. And I just want to say that at some point we may end up actually doing one of our retreats in South America where we might have a shaman come and join us and do the entire ayahuasca thing because that would be a lot of fun as well. Um, I just want to mention quickly that we do have a retreat coming up in November for anybody who's listening who doesn't know this is going to be amazing. It's going to be eight days of deep diving on all of these concepts and conversations and all of the things that we talk about as well as just a chance to embody the mentality that we're talking about practicing and a chance to see Andrew and I in our day-to-day -day lives including the Sasquatch which I mentioned earlier because there's an outdoor pool so you'll get to see that as well. You're welcome. I hope that doesn't scare you off. Um, back to your question, Maddie, uh, about whether or not I'm still unraveling things. I, I would say that yes and no, in that I'm not actively unraveling anything. I am in the process of unraveling. And, and that is something that took a long time. For, for a long time, it was me unraveling it, or at least that's how it felt. It felt like I was watching for those triggers. I was watching for the things that, that I, I got sucked into habitually. I was watching for you know reactions that I didn't necessarily know where they were coming from because they're reactions. They're based on previous actions and previous assumptions, right? And so as soon as I found myself unaware of why I was acting a certain way, I would go, okay, and then try and look at what I was doing and the impact of what I was doing to the best of my ability. But over time, as you start to, unravel all that and you start to realize that each thing that you're unraveling isn't a mistake. It's not a problem. It's just something that you've accumulated over time. And so that helps you remove yourself from the unraveling, the judgment against you, right? And that really is the biggest part of unraveling our past is the fact that somehow we think that the person we held on to still means something about the person we are. And it doesn't. And that's the process is recognizing you are not who you used to be, right? You are always changing. And so day to day now, I don't necessarily look for the problems, but I maintain a general awareness of what I'm doing moment to moment and where it's coming from. If I do something and I don't know where it's coming from, if it's just habitual, that's something I focus in on, right? But more or less after 20 years of doing that, not much is habitual anymore. Not, not much that I don't willingly let be habitual because you can do that. You don't have to break all your habits if you recognize why it's there. You're like, I like this habit. Enjoy that habit, but with awareness, right? Otherwise the habit becomes a crutch and that crutch takes you out of the moment, right? And so it's, it's always just more or less about coming back to the reality that all I can do is let the process go on. All I can do is remove the judgment of myself because I'm not who I was. And that's the only person that I'm judging, right? We, we talked about this briefly in the workshop last weekend that there was a moment where the Buddha couldn't forgive somebody, right? And I know that sounds terrible, but the story is essentially that the man had made a mistake in thinking that Buddha at the time who was traveling was kind of corrupting the young people in the village, including his son. And so the guy lost his shit on Buddha. And it's like, what are you doing? Are you causing all kinds of problems, you're, 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 you're uh, you know, corrupting the children, you're, you're doing all that. And so the guy like spit in his face and walked away. Well, a little while later, he came back to Buddha after having thought about it and listening to everybody like, he's just trying to help, you know, maybe, maybe calm down a bit. So he went to Buddha, he's like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for everything that I did. I'm sorry for my outrage. I'm sorry for my assumptions. I'm sorry for all that. And Buddha said, I can't forgive you. You're not the same person that did those things. That's very much the point about all of this is that whoever you think you are, whoever it is you're beating up, isn't you. 
And as you get that person out of the way, you start to realize that you are the person you've always wanted to be. It's just that beating up that's been making it harder for you to reflect it, harder for you to embody it, right? It's very hard to enthusiastically be as awesome as you are when you're judging that awesomeness, right? And that's the process. It's just stop judging. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't pop up from time to time. Like I still have opinions and I still question them. Like yesterday was my birthday. Perfect example. Okay. And I wanted to order a nacho plate from the Mexican place that was here in town and they didn't have it. They were out of the nacho plate. And my immediate thought was, well, this sucks. It's my birthday. And then my next thought was, what the hell did I just do? Because I just made it all about me and my expectations, and I was gonna ruin the meal. So instead I just ordered something else and didn't think about it. Meal came, I loved it. Still enjoying it, right? I had some leftovers today, but I could have ruined it for myself by attaching to the idea of me who had preferences and then destroying the moment I was in as a result of that. So yes, it pops up all the time, but again, don't beat yourself up for having those thoughts, just take accountability for them. If you wanna change them, change them, but it really just does come down to how do I feel about my relationship with myself right now? That's it. Am I enjoying beating myself up? No, then I'm gonna stop doing that. Not because I shouldn't do that, but because I'm really not enjoying it and it's not doing anything for me. That's pretty much the best advice I've got in terms of just going through the motions, like remove yourself from it. And the process will go a lot faster. Was awesome. Thank you. I find that I'm still um like beating myself up a little bit here and there and judging myself along the way. But like as soon as you judge your progress, like it just kind of ceases. Like it just stops. Like the progress just kind of ends, and then it's like ah. Oh. Like uh, I had this thought the other day where um you know how some people are like so addicted to well not addicted but they like suffering without even knowing it like they like the feeling of like they may not like it or may not realize that they like it but they like the feeling of beating themselves up judging themselves always self-analyzing because it feels good it feels certain it feels like they know that what they or what they think that they're doing is right or what they think that they're doing is going to motivate them to, you know, be better or to get somewhere else. And, um, yeah, it's just like, you know, we're all, like, in this journey together. Like, we all make the same mistakes. Like, you know, no one is perfect. Everyone is perfectly imperfect. There is no such thing as perfect. And that was a thing that I've also had to let go Um like I had such a high expectation of everything to be perfect around me and around my life, like including everything, like the way that, you know, the house is set up all perfect right angles, everything has to be so neat and tidy. And I realized that, you know, me being like that is taking so much time and energy away from, you know, me wanting to actually do the things that are enjoyable and fun and you know who cares if like you know the place is a little bit scruffy or whatever like no one's coming over to like see it I think it's just from you know me like um uh just my old programming me like living at home with my mum 
always being in a house that's nice and clean because that's how my mum preferred it. So that, like, God, you know, I um, ended up picking that up. And, uh, yeah, so it's just, um, yeah, that was really helpful. Um, and, yeah, um, happy birthday for the other day. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It's so funny because it's, it's such an irrelevant um, occasion to me because every day I'm reborn every day is a celebration of my existence and you know it's like I was born on this specific day it's like right there's leap years and it's not like the calendar is exact like it's not really that relevant right it's not actually my birthday we're just kind of celebrating that I came into the world or at least I am which is enough for me but I try to do that every day so um on that note I'm going to pass this back to Andrew I just wanted to make a quick note actually because you brought up the word programming and that's a word that I actually, I actually really try to avoid, and, and I only try to avoid it because it has that intonation of being a victim, that the world is in fact programming us. So I, I try to, to stick with the word conditioning, right, which is more or less just overexposure to our environment, right? We are conditioned by the environment that we're a part of. It's not that anybody's going out of their way to make us think a certain way. It's, this is just the way that the world is formed according to the way that we've been thinking for thousands of years. So we're conditioned by that mentality at the same time that we are conditioning it with our changes. So I just wanted to mention that as well, because there is a play that goes back and forth. We are changing the world as much as it's trying to change us, right? So I, I just wanted to mention that quickly. I'm going to pass this back to Andrew. But before I do, I'm going to let you both think about this before we wrap up the episode. Of course, for being our guests here, we want to give you something to go away with. So we have three workshops, and you are welcome to pick one out of those three, and we will give you a free digital copy after the episode goes live. We have a social anxiety workshop. We have a manifestation workshop, and now we have the new Beyond Belief workshop, which is all about the concept of God and reality. So, uh, Josh, you first. Which one would you like? And then if there's anything that you'd like to say to wrap up, you're welcome to do that. And we're going to pass this back to Andrew after that. Then we'll go back to Maddie, and we're just going to revolve. Josh. I would gladly pick the social anxiety one, because that shit sucks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, as far as the closing words, again, just – Thank you guys so much. Maddie, it was awesome getting to hear about you and your experiences. Um, yeah, you know, I would advise everyone to go out and, you know, carefully try some things that are well thought out and outside of your comfort zone. Not the comfort zone. That's all I got. Thank you so much. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And, um, yeah, last last thing I want to say, actually, one of the things, Maddie, you brought up, I just wanted to uh, question one of them when, when you're talking about judgment and progress and when you catch yourself judging yourself, it's almost like your progress stops. And I would argue that I, I see it more as, as an opportunity to continue progressing almost when you see the judgment, because there's a difference between seeing the judgment and being lost in the judgment. And so I see it like all of this as just, you know, the pendulum, the process of going back and forth. And even the process of catching yourself for judging yourself is a win. Like that is in itself progress. Although it may seem like the progress stops when you're judging, you've already caught it though. So then you can keep moving forward. And it's not the judgment that's the issue. It's that the idea that judgment is an issue almost, you know, it's, it's not the judgment itself. It's like, it's not the situation, but our thoughts about the situation. So yeah, you're, you're always making progress. And I, 
judge myself all the time. I used to do it a lot more. I don't do it as much, but it still happens. And it's okay. It's part of the process. As soon as I catch it, I'm already past it more or less, and I'm allowed to continue progressing. Um, but yeah, just to close off for me, I really enjoyed this episode. Loved going back and forth. Absolutely love that we're back in the round tables getting all different sorts of perspectives on all of these topics and, and being able to come at it from different points of views, because we do as much as, you know, we are <clears throat> all one mind, we do have our experiences and, and different perspectives and, and it allows us to see things in a different light. It allows anyone listening to see things in potentially a different light than they had seen things. And we're always processing. We're always questioning. We're always learning. So never, never stop questioning, question relentlessly and, and keep moving forward because you're making progress, whether you know it or you don't. So thank you both Josh and Maddie for coming on today. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to keeping in touch with you guys. That was well said. And I just want to add quickly that the perception of division is just a perception. So even though you may not feel like you and your character are making progress, you're everyone else. Progress is always happening. There's just so much of it happening that it's difficult to see such a large perspective. So just know it's happening. Remove yourself from the equation, relax and enjoy yourself. And on that note, Maddie, which workshop would you like? Would you like the social anxiety workshop manifestation or the new one beyond belief? I would love the beyond belief workshop. Um, Andrea, I just wanted to say that, um, yeah, you're right. But like, in order to progress, you can't judge and keep progressing at the same time. You've only got, you know, it's like, um, what Ray said, like, uh, you can, you can't feel guilty or, um, adapt or, I think it was, or you can't feel guilty and, you know, um, adapt at the same time. You've only got room for one. Um, and like, even if you think that you're not progressing, like if you're just, you know, being <clears throat> your genuine self, like, if you're in a situation with other people and, you know, you could have an impact that could help other people progress or, you know, just make ripples like that. And um, uh, with the, the birthday thing, because I had my birthday not long ago, I was thinking about that and I was just like, hmm, because I love, like, my birthday, like, always used to, you know, get that special feeling, like, ever since I was a kid, like, you know, it's my birthday, it's the most special day of the year. Um, I was thinking, like, what if I spent every day like that? What if every day, because we are literally, like, like you know, dying and born again in every moment over and over again. I was thinking, like, of Alice in Wonderland, how they're um, singing a very happy on birthday to you. And, I mean, like, birth literally is, like, you know, just this, um, you know, it happens, but it's also a made-up things that like yeah or our birthday like it's a special thing like um like we it's funny that we celebrate the one day that we come into this existence over and over again like yeah go me I came out of you know my mother's um you know vagina like this is awesome achievement for me I'm going to celebrate it every single day that I'm here it's just really funny how we do that um but uh yeah um 
thank you guys so much for having me. Um, this has been a real treat and pleasure and I've just enjoyed it so much. And I'm really looking forward to the retreat and everyone that's going to be there and it's going to be an awesome time. And um, thank you guys for being you. And I'm uh, just looking forward to every episode that comes out. And um, thank you, Josh, for being here. It was really nice to meet you and listen to you and what you have to say as well and just hearing more about um, ADHD. I'm so fascinated by it because I have a few friends who have ADHD and I kind of wonder myself, like, you know, am I, do I have ADD or ADHD because I've never been diagnosed with anything, but I don't really want to be diagnosed with anything because I'm just like, I don't believe it. Like, I remember one time I went to a doctor or a GP and 15 minutes after, like, being with him, he was like, hmm, you know, have you considered that you might have a bipolar or, like, borderline personality disorder? And I was just like, that is um, that is an amazing, um, you know, judgment. Like, I, wow, just, you know, you haven't even, you don't even know who I am and you're already making that assumption. Like, just, wow, like, yeah, just doctors, man. I, I don't like them. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I'll let you wrap it up now. Yeah, yeah I, I hear you on that for sure. I remember uh, going into a doctor to talk about pretty much the depth of it before I self-admitted. And uh, they were really quick to tell me that I had a chemical imbalance in my brain, that I was borderline personality disorder. Uh, they put me on antidepressants and antipsychotics. And that was basically, you know, the, the downward spiral was right after that, you know, it pretty much, it was shortly after that, that I hit rock bottom again, because um, I had set up a cot on rock bottom. So I was familiar with it, but uh, yeah, there was nowhere else to go. There was no more easy fixes, right? There was no more per people I could go to and go, how do I change this? It was on me, right? And so just like Andrew was saying, like even when we're judging ourselves, that informs the catching of judging ourselves, which informs the letting go of judging of ourselves, which facilitates the next judgment. So it's always a process. Um, Thank you both for being here. We're so grateful that you could join us for this first round table of season three. Season three really is about collaboration. It's all about connecting with other people who are going through this in their day-to-day -day lives because we all are to some degree. And so again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you at our future groups. Josh, I will send you your copy of the workshop. Maddie, the same. And with any luck that we will see you uh, in a group maybe next month or at the... Uh, at the retreat, which is coming up in November. Thank you everybody for listening. And of course, we will see you next week for the next episode. Take care. Bye everyone.